we are here with Brantford United under 12s first team coach, manager, yeah, yeah. head, whatever Both. you want to be called, mate. Both, yeah. Uh, Jamal McGlashy, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, mate, all good, all good, yeah. I, uh, we had a game yesterday. How'd you get on? We lost 2-0. It was a friendly. Um, no such thing. No, but we had no subs. And, uh, yeah, it killed us. When you play Woodbridge and you've got no subs, not it's not good. Then we got a player injured, so we had to play with eight for a bit. and Yeah. So is it nine, first season nine aside? This is our first season nine aside, yeah. So That's how big old goals in there. That, a lot bigger, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. bigger. I mean, obviously you guys will remember when you come from, you know, when you the second you got up to year seven, it used to be 11 aside and you'd be in 11 aside goals. They've obviously now adapted it. You have nine aside before 11 aside. Yeah, six years ago, man. Yeah. Yeah. Six years ago. <laughs> six stone ago, mate, maybe. I don't know, about six years. Blimey. So uh, how did it come about? How did you get into coaching uh, youth football? So I'd had a bit of experience coaching previously. I'd coached um, Claydon men's team for about half a season. Was that successful? Um, yeah, it was all right. It was good. We, we stayed up. It was back back then, I think I must have been about 21, Um but we, when I joined, they were in, not the senior league, they were in Division 1. Um, and I went in for half a season. Um, and we, yeah, we'd done really well, but because of lack of experience, I didn't get kept on. Um, and they brought in another manager who'd got wide range of experience in kind of um, men's football. Um, and I got offered the reserves job, which at the time kind of felt like a bit of a kick in the teeth because I'd spent a good time with Claydon men's team and the, I got along with the players really well and we I was, felt like I was kind of slowly building something there. Um, so yeah, it kind of put me off coaching for a long time, um, if I'm completely honest. And then my boy started playing football um, and he got a few seasons in and then I kind of started to see his confidence dwindle. Um, and then I kind of got pulled into it because the manager he had previously, the coach he had, needed an assistant so I said I'd help um, and the second I stepped in he disappeared yeah oh, it's always the case isn't it uh, yeah. every sort of like youth football setup seems to rely on parent volunteers yeah. like yourself Louis you did it as well for yeah. a very long time and then all of a sudden you've just thrown lots of different responsibilities in, yeah. in managing yeah I also think it was I think he didn't he didn't have any children in the team so he he didn't have that kind of commitment to the team and you know i think it does sometimes make it a little bit difficult when you know you're a coach of a child you know a children's team and you you don't have any children in there you know um that's how most people get into it but yeah i i got involved and he left kind of very shortly after and then i was kind of left with this team and at first i was um not particularly happy about it but if if I kind of gave it up, then the team would have folded. So, you know, I, I you stuck with it. Search for So yeah, I um, yeah, I done that and ended up growing to really love it. Nice. So having your boy in the team does pose challenges. We spoke off pod about it with with you as well, Louis, about that awkward bit of having a kid in your team being the coach and how you approach them as an individual like if they play well you almost feel embarrassed to single them out as mm. being 
good. Definitely. If they're rubbish though, man, you just lay into them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait till you get home. He did experience that a few times. No, I think with, um, like, I just tried to support him as much as possible. Um, and just, like I said, he was low on confidence. So it was just a case of trying to build him up and, and uh, you know, bring that confidence back up. But the, the thing is, speaking from experience in this, like, it's not, it, like so many kids will drop that confidence and then people won't recognise it in them and then they never play football again. They give up. Yeah, and I, and I, that's, I really commend anybody that will take on a youth football team because what you don't realise is it's not you turn up on a Saturday with the balls and you turn up at training with the balls. It is a full-time oh, job. It's a, it's, a, it's a hell of a commitment. Yeah. Hell of a commitment. Like, you know, in the week, me and the guy who I, I run the team with now. Shout um, him out, Gone. Yeah, Johnny, good guy. Um, he was another parent who I brought in um, last season just to, to help because it is a, it's a lot of work on your own and you need someone to kind of bounce ideas off um, and someone to help with different things, paperwork and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's really good. I love it. Yeah. So, so what's your approach? What to coaching? Yeah. Are you like motivational? You know when you like start football manager, which one do you pick? Motivational? Oh, do you know youth? what? So I was someone who loved FIFA career mode right <laughs> that is how I got into coaching <laughs> <laughs> ever since I was a kid I love playing FIFA career mode so for me this is FIFA career mode in real life um, I try and I'm, I'm young do you know what I mean so I, I think the, the boys can relate to me um, yeah, turn your hat backwards and that exactly do you know what I mean I'm a cool dude. <laughs> so yeah but I, I definitely think that that helps do you know what I mean because I can speak to them on a level and um yeah, I've, I think I've, I've got a good relationship with, uh, with, with the players. But cool. the, the coaching, we, I try and keep it consistent. Every week, we kind of do the same sort of thing in training, try and get them really good at one thing. A lot of it is kind of possession-based drills, but if we just do that every week consistently, I, you know, I think they get really good at just you know holding on to the ball and, and possession football. That's the thing, isn't it? Kids learn through repetitiveness. 100%. Yeah, definitely. When I, when I was coaching, I, we used to do this one drill every time and it was literally just trapping a ball, yeah. passing, moving, trapping a ball, passing, moving. And all the kids used to be like, oh, this is so boring, this boring. is so they boring. They don't understand it. But what they didn't realise is actually on a Saturday <laughs> when they were one of the best teams at possession and they were like close to winning the league and all of that sort of stuff, it was them drills yeah. that have done it. You're 100%, yeah. definitely. Definitely, but yeah, I've, I think I've, I've tried to um, this season moving up to nine aside. I've tried to also expand the way I coach and um, try not to be so one-dimensional. It's brought a whiteboard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I am that guy. <laughs> I'm bringing up. I do have the magnets in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got them. I've got oh, them. That's nice. I, I find it. I think it's easier for um, when you're reading the team out. It's easier for the kids to visualise it on yeah, a definitely. on a whiteboard as opposed to just saying you're playing there, there, there. Um, so yeah. So the focus is really developing them as individuals and players. Definitely. Rather definitely. than a results-driven. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I think we we play in Division One and we're we're a very strong team in Division One. But what we try and do, we don't. We don't poach from the best teams and try and get them players in. A lot of the players who come to us are players from lower leagues who know that they can play at a higher level and they want to test themselves. And they're the players you can really try and work with and progress. So, yeah. You've got a crap catchment as well, let's be honest. Like, Claydon, it's a small town. Yeah. I mean, is it a town or a village? Well, I mean, Claydon's, Claydon's a, a village. 
Um, but we're Bramf we've moved to Brantford now. Oh yeah, um, sorry, but even, that's even smaller. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and that's another thing. Most of the players who, who play for us come all over, come from all over Ipswich um, and Suffolk. So because I remember when I was coaching, you'd see like again you've mentioned them earlier. The Woodbridges are the top teams because mm. they have such a big area to pull kids from. Yeah. Um, and then you have your Chantries, they, they've always got a decent squad and I think it's, it's pretty consistent throughout which 100%. teams have got decent squads and stuff. So. And, and you often find as well, being a coach, like at the, the, the end of last season I've been approached quite a lot from different parents and stuff because their parent, parents want to put their, team, their, uh, their children in, in good teams a lot of the time. Um, that can sometimes be a bit off-putting as well because it it stinks. <laughs> it reeks. You can smell it on a parent the second they call, the second they call you up. Hi there, uh, is that Jamal? Yeah, <laughs> exactly that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you, you do get that. You have to try and be a little bit careful with that as well because um, you don't want to be one of those teams that's just known yeah. for nabbing. It's about players. not upsetting the apple cart as well, isn't it? If you've got a core group of players that are doing well for you and they're committed to... Yeah. The club, they're turning up to training every week, they're turning up to games. Like At their age, it seems very counterproductive Definitely. to say, well, so-and-so scored this amount of goals mm. for their yeah. team, we're going to yeah. get them in. Cheers for all your hard work, see you later. You can't you, really... As they've got older, I'm seeing it more now, as, we, as they're growing up, we're getting more of that. Um, when, it, when they were young, uh, you know, under eights, under, under nines or whatever, it was just about turning up and having fun and that sort of thing. But now as they're getting older, parents are really kind of, they really, a lot of the time, if the child's got talent or the child's a good player, parents will do everything they can to try and see that child progress. And you see it a lot with these development centers like Ipswich ATC and Norwich and all that sort of thing. And parents just waste their money on that. 100%. All right, I've, right, I've got two things to say here, right? One of them, the poaching kids thing, that's such a ball ache in kids football. like. I remember being at a committee meeting and I had... Because you were trying to poach. It's <laughs> <laughs> so hard having people with integrity, man. Just let me get the players I want. The story is, I, I'd already poached them. So. But no, what had happened is, um, it was an off-season and obviously players can go wherever they want. They're not contracted at that age. Yeah. So yeah. Are they not? No, no, no. no, no, okay. no not contracted at that no, age. I haven't got their pen licence yet. I can't sign the deal. It so be rubbed out. I was at a committee meeting, a league committee meeting, and uh, we were in... The farmhouse in Kesgrave, which uh, which is where all the major yeah, deals which is happen. all the major deals happen. Yeah. And I sat there, and we had a tournament coming up. And I said to um, we were at the committee meeting, and we were talking about this tournament. And one of them, they said, "Oh yeah, players that were registered last season, we expect to play with their last teams." Blah blah. And I said, "Yeah, but the season's over, so surely." You know, if we're planning on signing new players, we can bring them in and stuff like that. Yeah. And the manager who used to manage him sort of stood up and went, "You can have them! You can have them!" Like proper, proper going into one. And I was just like, "Dude, mate, it's yeah, off season. Yeah. It's kids football. <laughs> wrap up. Do you know what I mean?" As he's tucking into a burger <laughs> challenge. <laughs> you do. I tell you what, picture of him on the wall. You do find <laughs> though, although it's kids football, everyone's so passionate, man. Yeah. yeah. Kids, the parents, the parents, oh my God, like that, they're, they're so passionate. Do you know what I mean? The coaches, you know, if I lose a game, it, it destroys my weekend. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking of anything else until we rectify that. Like, so you say about the passion of the parents, like it's one thing managing the players in front of you, but you also have another challenge of keeping parents happy and managing them. How yeah. do you go about that? I think honesty, always, um, 
always kind of being honest. Every time we're looking to sign more players, I'll always let the parents know, look, we're looking to sign two or three players. Because I think people get threatened when new players come in. They think, oh, my child's going to get less game time and that sort of thing. So I'm always trying to keep people in the loop. I've made the mistake before of keeping people kind of too much in the loop and it kind of give, they think if they think it gives them a free reign to kind of give their opinions on everything Yeah. because I've, I've allowed it a bit. Um, Do you have like a policy in your team where like each kid gets a certain amount of game time each week? No. Good, good. Nah, <laughs> we don't. I think, nah, we don't. It's, I mean, it's hard as a coach, isn't it, right? Because... I think you're in a situation where you've got all of these kids that want to play football, but you're also in a situation where you don't want to hold the better players back, but you don't want to let the the players with the less the least amount of talent that need a bit more work yeah. to, to sort of sit on the sidelines. And that's a really difficult conversation to manage. Yeah, I mean, we've I'm quite lucky in the sense of consistently around the team, everyone's kind of on the same level. We have had it in the past where that hasn't been the case and you sometimes have to have that awkward conversation um, but the problem is because you're only training these you know these kids once a week you don't have enough time to really give the players who are struggling extra help if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah. you can do everything you can to try and make things easier for them and try and help them but you don't have the time to really kind of put in into them you've got every, you know you've got 12 other players to kind of look after um so yeah, but it's, what is awkward is when you kind of, if players contact you for for a trial or whatever, and um, they're not yeah. good enough. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, always yeah, um, yeah. that can be. I think mean, like difficult to touch on something you were said earlier about, and I'm passionate about these. And if you want to like say this in your view on stuff, and that's up to you. But when you start seeing these PDCs that, that, that pop up. Like their parents think that their kids got into a PDC, so they're going to be the next Lionel Messi. When actually, the truth is, these PDCs are money spinners for clubs. They hang on to kids. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So I've got a pr- prime example onto that. So I've got a player in my team who's recently um, he's just completed a trial at Ipswich Academy, got in, um, but he got that trial off the back of us playing a um, we played a friendly against Ipswich Futures, which is like a yeah. new thing. Um, and the academy co- coaches saw him and he got his trial through that. He's been at Ipswich ATC for two years. Definitely. And he's never once been progressed from Ipswich ATC. Yeah. It weren't until he played the Futures and the academy coaches saw him where he got that opportunity. I had it with um, with my stepson at the time and he was in the PDC and he'd been in the PDC for about three years and I, I knew what was going on but he was happy so I didn't mind it. Yeah. And we were in a fortunate enough position where we could afford to send him sort yeah. of thing. Um and then again, he went and played. Uh, they went and played Chelsea, at PDC, and it just so happened that the academy were there as well. Right. Okay. And that's when they spotted him. Uh, so it was nothing to do with the PDC. No, putting no. Up. And actually, the academy coach was like, "Why haven't you told me about this kid?" Yeah, yeah. It got to the point where I ended up just getting the academy coach's number and saying, "Look, I think you need to look at this kid." Yeah. And yeah. that's and I was getting trials that way. Yeah. But PDCs and eighty or whatever they're they will hold on yeah. to the kids for as long as possible. So you can pay that hundred pound a term or whatever it is. Yeah. It, it, it's revenue and they're a business, so I get that. But it used to be when I mean when I was fifteen, sixteen, if there was. A, kids or I knew I had mates and stuff who played in like Colchester development thing there was a bit of a status to it in the sense of I felt like it was good quality footballers they were probably about level to just be underneath the academy now these development centres take on anyone yeah good 
bad. It, it doesn't even matter anymore um, because they make money through, um, obviously you have to pay monthly, but not only that, you, you have to buy all your kit and everything yeah. every season. And every time new kit comes out every season, you have to buy new kit. And it's just, you know, it's, you're constantly having to keep up with it. And that, there's an obvious flaw to that as well because just because a player's family or, or support network can afford the sessions and the kits doesn't necessarily make them a better player than no. someone whose families can't. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Definitely. It also, I think, and this isn't every parent because I've seen it both ways, but some parents get their egos inflated so much by their kid getting into a PDC or whatever and then the conversations start coming with the coach don't it like yeah, yeah. my kid plays Ripswich yeah. no he doesn't no or no she doesn't yeah yeah you know and, and that becomes a problem then as well I found it, it's it almost also I feel like because we when um, my my boy was at Ipswich ATC for about four weeks when he was there too good isn't it yeah, he, <laughs> that was a proper gloat then did you know so? hell of a gloat <laughs> <laughs> he, he was there for about four weeks but when he was there the parents who you're who you, you know when I was talking to other parents and stuff they're so they're speaking like their children are going to become professionals like if they stick at this long enough and you think if they were that good they would be playing for the academy yeah I, I looked into this while I was coaching the stats to become a professional footballer as a kid is 1 in 17,000 even if you're in the academy yeah even if you're in the yeah. academy yeah. yeah that's insane yeah. like but yeah so your boy is now in the academy yes yeah he's he left us which was uh, which was tough because he, he was a goalkeeper so I had to try and replace him um you have a shame playing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I at the time I um I had obviously second thoughts. I thought you know he's he's leaving and stuff, but I needed a hobby. I needed something mm. to kind of you know I, I need something where people are relying on me and yeah. you know they're, they're relying on me to turn up and be there and coach them. So it didn't kind of clash his his football with with mine. So yeah, I I, I carried on. So you're now coaching a team where you know you, your boy isn't isn't playing for them. He's not in there them. anymore. Um, that must give you a bit more freedom. I think so. Also, yeah, it does definitely. Um, and also, I'm not. I used to kind of tune into him. Do you know what I mean? A lot. And now I've got another goalkeeper. I feel like the pressure has been lifted a little bit. Um, and it's you know, my, my boy is he's, he's good in that position. But it was just. Coaching him, sometimes we'd have arguments. Like he found it difficult if I was honest with him like on the way back, or yeah. or like if during a game at halftime, if I said something to him on the way home in the car, he'll be like, "Why'd you say that in front of them?" Because I'm his dad, so he, yeah, he can, yeah, he can say that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. that sometimes made it difficult. Um, but son, you know when they knocked it in the stanch, you could have got hand to that. Man. Yeah, yeah. If I said that, it would it would ruin his <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. So it's you've probably, got to contend with it when you get home as well. Definitely. definitely. It's further than that as well. It's not even just the like the home life. It's it's. I, I'm sure. Well, I don't know if you've experienced this, but like when I was a coach, my stepson was one of the better players in the team. Yeah. So when it came to award season, my stepson didn't win anything no. because I didn't want to give it to him. Because yeah. I mean, equally, he was club captain, but it was purely on the basis that he was the best person for the job. Yeah. And yeah. what I actually did at that point was we watched a load of friendlies, and I got the team to vote him in as club captain. Right. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Just so, so it wasn't me giving him the captain that captain armband because I I don't I know. It, 
football's evolving and they say oh you should switch the captaincy around and stuff like that but actually I don't that's the one thing I don't agree with yeah so do you know what it's funny you say that we had a um, we had a meeting about a year ago um, with the club I'm at every you have like um, meetings every six months like with the committee and the, the chairman and stuff and they said that a new rule had come in place where you you have to switch your captains every week and we've had the same captain since they were under six. We're now under twelve. Yeah. This everyone looks at this player like he is he's the, the captain. captain. Yeah, he, he's, yeah. the, he's the leader, um, and they want me to change that um, every week. Um, so what we done is we said that every away game he's captain, and every home game we'll switch it. That's a really yeah. good idea. Um, and he was happy with that. Yeah, um, and it does give the the other boys an opportunity to have that leadership role and see have a voice how, have that voice and see how they can adapt to being the, the yeah. main person for that particular week definitely um, obviously I, you're a coach mm. um, and I've watched a few kids games Louis watched a few kids games and you sound very tuned in with how to develop the players and it's very much getting them to develop as, as people and as players a lot of the time in youth football you see it's very much results driven 100% and you can get a sort of do you remember the FA advert with Ray Winston where it's just a big fat bloke shouting at yeah. kids yeah. more coaching style yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100% um, but um, do you ever see that do you ever see, have you ever seen coaches where you've sort of had to bite back a little bit they've been overly critical with their players or your players or yeah there, there was one time um, we played uh, Wickham Market and um, when my when Jensen was in goal as my son he uh, he shouted out like to clear the ball and uh, the coach thought he was shouting like ah to like put off the other team <laughs> from scoring anyway he swore at Jens and I, I saw red so how old was, was he at the time? Gents was under nine. So he's yeah. nine. He's eight, 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 eight or nine. Right, he, can't, he can't fucking do that, ref. And okay. Jensen, obviously, he heard that and it, he was just upset. It was like, oh, an adult's just kind of shouted about me sort of thing. But uh, the second he said that and he swore kind of in the direction of, of my son, yeah, I was fuming. I was lucky to not kind of get some sort of ban um, or... Because I was angry. You, you get coaches as well. Like there's coaches that I don't believe belong in youth football. Um, I was all about. Sorry, I was, you're out now. I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching about you. It was all about developing the team, yeah. developing players, and stuff yeah. like that. We never won the league. Well, so, so like, we, we won Division Two, but we never won Division One. We always finished around mid-table. But if you ask anybody in the league, we played some of the best football. Yeah. Um, and actually, the players that I had all went on to play in um, it's EIA or whatever it's called now, yeah. Eastern Alliance and um, EJA. EJA. That's it. Um, they all went on to play in Eastern Junior Alliance, and I had a really, really, really strong set of players. But the style of we football we played, it just didn't lend itself to winning the league no. the, the teams that were winning the league were the ones that were going out absolutely booting people yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that and you had coaches on the sideline like I had a I had a particularly good winger he was fantastic um, I'd love to know where he is now um, and he was lightning mate yeah just lightning he was like Raheem Sterling I, I always said like he'd be the one mm -hmm. was that and the one whose mum you said was, was quite attractive no <laughs> 
why you want to know where Why would you do that on a <laughs> It's I'm lying. Coming He's lying. I'm lying. I'm making it up. But the, I was there one day and he was just, he was giving that left back a, a torrid time. Yeah. And the manager actually pulled the left back over and just said, next time he goes past you, it's the ball or the player, not both. <laughs> yeah. And I heard him say it and I lost my rag. Yeah. yeah. Completely lost my rag. Yeah. Um, and he was notorious for doing it, like yeah. constantly notorious. But his team would win the league every year because they were vicious. And teams would be scared of them, and that I think they're. The you teams. do find that, you, yeah. Honestly, you you really do. So so, yeah. We in our league, you've you've got three teams, four I'd say: um, Wickham, Woodbridge, us, and Sport in '87 from Bury. Um, do you know what? They're a good team, aren't they? Our Sport, they're, they're very well run. Through. Yeah, very through. well run. Well, they've they've. Um, I'm good friends with their coach. Lovely guy. We speak every week. Um, but he's he's really turned things around there. I mean, a few years ago they were a team that you know they were in Division One, but they got beat a lot of the time, and they've they've become a really strong team. The big club sport. So do you have the rule of if it, if it goes over five goals, they're allowed to bring an extra player on? Yes, yeah. So sometimes you'll find managers with their egos. You'll see, <laughs> there has been a few um, times where that has happened, and I'll say you can bring an extra player, and they're like, no, nah, they need to learn. And then before you know it, it's 12 now. Yeah. 15 now. And it's not through lack of trying on your part. No, no. And it, and it becomes uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, for sure. You almost want to say to the players, you know, just lay off. Yeah. Just keep the ball. But then they all want to score. You One know? of them... What you're actually saying is, you've seen blood now, go for it. We're sharks, <laughs> mate. <laughs> um, one of the things I got taught when I was at when I was at uni I was doing I had a coaching element to my degree the only thing um, I was taught at uni <laughs> yeah, yeah the mate. one thing the one thing I was taught <laughs> but one thing I was taught was the coaching sort of lecturer was a team GB judo coach right so it wasn't necessarily sports specific it was all about pedagogy and how to instill your philosophy within an athlete regardless of what their sport is yeah but one thing he made clear from a very young age is if you have the targets within a competition as performance-based, whether you're the strongest team or player or athlete in that particular field or not the strongest, mm. you're still reaching a goal every single week or every single competition. Yeah, yeah. And he used football as an example that if you're one of the stronger teams and you're winning 6-0 and you've got that worry of demoralising kids yeah. with it within another team, you change the target to, right, our focus now is getting 12 passes 100%. uninterrupted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you're one of the weaker teams, results aren't going your way, you go out and say, right, I need everyone to touch the ball at least yeah. three times and yeah. you make it you're applicable that- to them. 100%. 100%. And I'll tell you what, that is, you're, you're so right, that is something we, we've, I, I tried to do it last season, we played Witten and it, that, that got ugly. I think that got to about 18 or 17. But I tried my best <laughs> with the players to basically say, look, just keep the ball, I, I, just play it back to your keeper, do you know what I mean? Hold on to the ball um, as opposed to keep scoring. Because every, I, I felt sorry for their keeper, do you know what I mean? Having to keep mm-hmm. getting the ball out of the net. Get a bad back with yeah, yeah, exactly that. It was like an octopus, mate. You know I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I could so, just see you on the sideline as well going, go to the corner, yeah. go to the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's, and you wince when they yeah, score. Yeah. It's like, oh. 
But yeah, we, we try to do that. Um, but the problem is, that the second you start getting a few goals and you grow in confidence, everyone on the team wants to score. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, of course they do. It's so hard to control that. The thing that used to do me when it all happened, when you were having them big wins, was you'll stop celebrating but the kids don't. No. Like they're still celebrating. Like I don't even scored. clap. Yeah, yeah. I don't even clap. It gets to the point where they're, like, they're celebrating like they're in the FA Cup yeah. final, mate. And you're like 18 nil up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard one to balance. I've had it before where I've, I've coached a team and we've, we've won a cup game on penalties. And obviously, all the kids want to do is celebrate. Oh. Go mad and celebrate as they should. They mm. deserve it. But you've also got to show them that they've got to be sort of mindful that there's a group of lads next to them that have come off the wrong end. 100%. And it's a hard, it's a hard thing yeah. to do because yeah. you don't want to ruin their moment, mm. but you don't want to rub that moment into a group of children. Yeah. I, that, and I also think trying to get your team to be respectful and shake hands with the other team after a loss, that is sometimes challenging especially if one of them teams is niggly as well yeah, yeah. Like, oh, and they've been talking shit he kicked me yeah, yeah, he kicked yeah, me yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do that he called me my slag yeah yeah, yeah and yeah, you yeah, do yeah, get that yeah. and then you've got to say to the team after boys despite the scoreline and despite what they've said or done yeah. shake their hands and, and, and your mum is I'm going to put it out there though one, you just brought up penalties like kids are shit penalties in there man yeah 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 yeah, they just aim for the goal. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There's, there's no, there's no specific direction. Um, yeah, but they're English, so yeah. no one's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. Um, so we spoke about keeping parents happy. Have you ever had an unhappy parent? Definitely, definitely. Um, <laughs> when his kid joined the academy, <laughs> yeah. the best player left. He's in the mirror going. I'm, I'm not happy I'm not happy please <laughs> <Then> stay <laughs> that, I, t- talking I, I, had, I had a parent unhappy um, because of a position um, the child wanted to play now the child before I come in they that child played up front um, but the, t- the squad was a lot smaller than it was only at seven aside I think they must have had a squad of about nine um, and he was the striker and he never. I used to watch the games because obviously my ball was playing. He never scored any goals, and I when I came in, I thought well, I'm going to try him in different positions, take that pressure off not scoring goals. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I moved him to centre mid. He was excellent, excellent centre mid, really good at creating, breaking up play, um, really progressive. But he he just he couldn't get that out of his head of the fact he was a striker at one point, and he just couldn't let go of that position. Um, so the parent said look he wants to play that position I said you know I've got, I've got other players who can play that better um, and I think he's excellent in centre mid um, and that resulted in them uh, him kind of eventually leaving to go to a team where he could See, play up front I'm interested in this so what did you ever talk to the player yes was was it him or was it his parent who wanted him to play up front probably a bit of both yeah um, I think he probably had it in his head but the the parent probably egged it on, whereas if I was the parent in that situation, I'd be saying to my my son, well, yeah, you used to play in that position, but you now play another position so much better. You need a bench. You, you, know I mean? <laughs> you need to let that position go. Do you know what I mean? You, you were pony when you played that position. Sometimes you were toilet. So, but no, you, you, you've, you know, he, he was so good in, in another position, but he just couldn't get his head out of it. Um, another one was, we got a load of new kits. <laughs> 
we got a load of new kits with all different numbers on, but they were like different sizes. A few of the kits were different sizes. So I decided what I was going to do was match the kit to the player's position. Because yeah. I thought, I'm not going to give players numbers they want. You know, it's, there's no there's no point. Everyone's probably going to want the same number. So I'd done that and the parents said, well, well he was number seven last season. And I said, well, he's, he's not this season. You know, we've changed. They said, well, he, his favorite player is Ronaldo. I said, I get that. Which one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the number seven. Okay. So, so he, yeah, he was, he was devastated about that. But I think that also contributed to him leaving as well. Yeah. He, that was the same player who wanted to play in the. Well, striker you position. can't keep everyone happy, can no, you? No, that I mean, it, that she was really upset about. Kit numbers is proper funny though, right? Because uh, I had a similar situation, right? Where we used to do it, so like. Um, we we did let them pick their numbers, but if so Weak. many no, but if so many wanted them, we'd stick them in a hat and they'd yeah, pick them yeah. out. But it was really weird because there was one kid, right? And he wasn't particularly good at football, but he, like he was just so passionate. And he came up to me really quietly and he like tugged me on the shoulder and he went, Can I have number two? <laughs> and I was like, Number two? Loves Gary Neville. That's exactly what he said to me. Gary Neville's one of my favourite players. I was like, dude, you're not having number two just for the fact that you said Gary Neville's a favourite player. But yeah, genuinely, yeah. Gary Neville, like, no, he wanted him. Love that. I've just, I've, I was like, mate, you can keep number two forever. Like, Gary Neville. Do you have any players when you were a kid that you like really looked up to that perhaps are a little bit weird now? <laughs> um, I probably did. I, I, my favourite ever player is weird because it's not like one that anybody ever talks about it's like I used to love Pavel Nedved yeah because like, of the Barnet yeah because of his Barnet 100% yeah. um, but like players that I looked up to that I really loved growing up yeah well, Martin Russo mate oh loved him great player yeah loved him but like was lived he? in Cop Duck yeah, yeah, yeah he did he lived in the ends <laughs> do, you know, <laughs> do you know what it's funny you say not player but teams as a kid I loved Portsmouth right <laughs> Well, Redknapp's Portsmouth. Redknapp's Portsmouth. I, I, they were probably they were my second team, Portsmouth, as a kid. I loved it when they had Defoe, Big Carno, Carno, yeah. Distant. Do you know what I mean? And um, Asana Diallo. Yes. Mate, what a ball he went on to be. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, oh, Glenn Johnson. They had they had a great team. Peter David, Crouch. Peter Crouch. David I liked James. him. Um, I liked him when they had Lualua playing for. Yes. Him. On yeah, loan, yeah. got the rule changed. Oh really? Yeah. So he was on loan from Newcastle. Right. Okay. And. The rule was then, if both clubs were happy, the lone player could play against the parent club. Right. Uh, Portsmouth won the game, Lua Lua got the winner. Mm-hmm. Done the 300 rule. Um, somersaults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He celebrated. Yeah. He did celebrated. Um, um, celebrated the fact that he wasn't getting a game elsewhere and then managed to score. Caused a little bit of controversy with the supporters, of course. Yeah. But it changed the rule. Like line players, then the wow. next season could. I never knew that. Yeah. But what about you? You have any players that you looked up to? Luwalawa was always one, but I'm a Colchester fan, so that kind of makes sense because yeah. he was a very, very good young player when I first started to watch football. Um, I really liked Chelsea when I was about six. Jimmy Floyd, mate, it'd have been there at that time, surely. Yeah, it would have been the Zola, Jimmy Floyd. Era, I liked Graham Lasso, mate. Graham Lasso's a baller, mate. 
Chelsea. But I thought his name was Gramless Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't surprise me that you like Chelsea because you are a massive racist. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah, does, yeah. it does make you sure. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should see me on a train, man. I yeah. don't let anyone on. Just, it's no really, thank you. You wouldn't have experienced this yet, but now, like back in my day when I played football, FIFA was a thing, but like having a games console like wasn't a thing yes do you know what I mean yeah yeah um, and when you moved to 11 aside and I had this all the time right the kids would come up to you and be like I think we should play this formation yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be like okay where did you get that from oh well, well I play it on FIFA yeah yeah and I'm like right okay and why do you think that's successful and they're like oh well, I've got Haaland in the team or yeah, I've got this yeah. person in the team I've got that person in the team it's been like six at the time players <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now will say like oh can I play Cam yeah and I feel myself slowly getting sucked into that, yeah. and I'm doing it as well. I remember, <laughs> what, I remember watching a youth training session. Um, that it was a relative. I wasn't just at the park like watching. It was Been a relative playing, um, and a session was going on, and it was a seven-a-side session. And I remember the co- they were doing like a, an attack v defence type drill. And I remember the coach going, "Right, I'm going to come in CDM." What CDM do you know <laughs> at seven, seven aside? aside. <laughs> That's FIFA. Just it's gets, FIFA. The thing is, camera. when you're translating it to these children, you have to use yeah. words like that, mate. That's what they get. <laughs> That's what they understand. So I find myself doing it as well. I find myself saying them words. I'm like, I, I remember yeah, having you the bus exactly. I remember having a striker uh, that I used to play, and I would never. Look, uh, he'd play up front every game for me, on the basis that he rarely scored. He'd score. 10-15 goals a season but the amount Sturdy. of goals he'd set up were incredible mm. right and he'd get really downtrodden that he hadn't scored for a couple of weeks or something like that but, like, but you're like you assisted like three in that game two yeah, in that yeah. game and trying to get across that actually there's two different types of strikers they just don't get it 100% uh, and yeah it, it, like everyone wants the hero complex and goalkeepers they're the worst because the minute a goalkeeper makes a mistake there's no one to hide behind on the pitch no, and that's no, no, no. Like, a hard position yeah, to play that's why they're men you've got to be resilient you've got to be so resilient Mental. you know what I mean and you watch it like you know I, I hyper analyse everything watching my son's games when he's playing and you know every little pass he makes you, you can't help it as a parent you, you're analysing everything um, but then when you actually sit back and watch the rest of the team the amount of players that miss pass a ball yeah, on a pitch, yeah. you know what I mean, to players that are just in front of them. But when your kid's in goal or whatever, you 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 know, you you just analyse it too much. I think, I think the other thing, we were talking about academies earlier and stuff like that. Academies are not necessarily looking for skill either. Like no. one of the things that the well, I, I, I got, I had ended up having a quite a good relationship with Jason Dizel. Um He was the academy coach at the time. You used to share a bed, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. we used to. Stay, it was like Morecambe and Wise. We'd lay in bed together and read books and stuff. <laughs> Matching pajamas. Yeah, it's matching pajamas. Nice. <laughs> no, I'd sit there and I'd have, I'd have quite a good relationship with him, and I'd, I'd you know I've texted him a few times with some players that he needs to look at and stuff like that. And he was really honest with me. Sometimes they're looking for the biggest players. Yeah, yeah. Because yes, they can kick a ball. Yes, they're large, but it's that large bit that they can't teach, and they're the yeah. ones that become. Football. I think the average height of a footballer is like six foot three. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's why I didn't make yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You you often find that as well. Like with academy players, um, they'll go the whole way through from under sevens all the way to the under 16s they're 5'11 maybe 6 foot and then they get released and the you know the, the club will just bring a French yeah. 6 foot 4 goalkeeper in or centre back in and you're off you're playing for Berry 
Do you know what I mean? Or Sudbury, or and then you got to try and get yourself into that team because they've already got established players. There, there was a player that um, when I was coaching, and he was—I'm not going to name him because I don't want to do that—but he was when? probably one of the best. Pro Evo. Yeah. yeah Pro Evo. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Go on. He was one of the best players that I've seen. He was fantastic. When he turned up at your team. You just sat there going, I hope he's not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope he's injured or something. Yeah. He, he was that good, right? Found out recently, he's now a barber. Oh, really? Yeah, he's not even playing football anymore. Because he trained so much as an academy player that he ended up having like dodgy knees and stuff like that. Because the, like, I don't think people appreciate the hours that academies put into players and oh, the amount yeah. of games that they're playing yeah. and stuff like that. Especially if they're like not quite contracted and they're playing for somebody else as well some of them games can rack up like 100 games a season it's, it's just crazy there's weird little rules as well yeah. in like academy football so that so say for example um, a player wants to leave they've decided they don't want to play anymore they're allowed to leave but they're not allowed to join another academy for yeah. another academy for four years yeah, so, it's so you can go back to grassroots football but you cannot play for another academy. If that academy wants to buy you, depending on your age group, or if, say for example, another academy wants to sign you, they have to play. They have to pay like seven, eight grand for, yeah. you know, ten-year-old kid. It's ridiculous. It's, it, is, it is ridiculous. If not, then you know. You I think mean, you see so many players that lose the love of football as well once they've hit the academy. I saw it over and over again. They'd be like brilliant players coming through. They'd love football. It'd be their passion. And then the minute they sign for academy, they do maybe one or two seasons in the academy and just lose passion for yeah, the game yeah. because it never, it no longer becomes that fun with your mates. It's that you, you know, it becomes you, a job at a very yeah, young age. It and does, and it also feels like you're never playing for something because for some reason it, it almost you're not really in like a league. I, I don't know if you are when you kind of get older, but for up until like under twelves, I don't think you're in like a league or anything. Um, so essentially, every game is a friendly. You don't have a presentation or an awards even at the end of the season. So players and kids miss out on that. Yeah. And their friends are all getting trophies at the end of the season playing for grassroots football clubs. But you, you, you miss out on all of that. It's hard to look at the bigger picture when you're 10 years old. Definitely. Sort of thing. Definitely. Have you experienced that situation where like your son's gone down to a Chelsea or something like that and then they turn up and all the players are like 12 and 6 foot tall oh yes and it's, always, like it, it's always the London club yeah yeah it's yeah, yeah. 100% um, yeah the, some of the some of the kids are huge like you know we're talking like 5, 6 at like 10 years old do you know what I mean some of the kids are driving themselves to games um, <laughs> mate I, I went we went on a base and stuff kids we were down to Basingstoke to play Chelsea on a, on, a, on this like 4G pitch and um, there was a player on the bench and I genuinely thought he was a coach he was transferred <laughs> up right and then all of a sudden like it was like because they play him in quarters when they yeah. play in games yeah. and like the fourth quarter they got this kid off and he stood up and I was like put his cigarette out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking right and the ball came out for a throw in near me and he walked up to me and he had the deepest voice yeah, yeah. and it was and I just was like that's insane, like, and they were all big, but yeah. this kid was massive. So you will find that a lot of the time they will sign massive kids, and you, you sometimes watch them, you think, yeah, but they they almost seem like a yard behind, like mm. behind everyone else. But you know that that will come. Yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? That that will come as you know the, the more coaching and everything they get. Um, 
but the way football has changed now in academy football, like they're they're more clued up. They kids and stuff are doing strength and conditioning training now at the age of ten years old to help with things like injuries mm-hmm. in the future and things like that. Like that, they're a lot more clued up on the kind of science behind it now um, for kids football. That's great. Um, I do have a question. Yeah. Uh, have you ever chewed chewing gum? Throw him under the bus on that one hundred percent. It's only because I know him. I know the story. Yeah. So basically, um, (laughs) I don't even know where to start with this. I, when I was about sixteen, I um, maybe seventeen, I was chewing a piece of chewing gum, and I decided I want a cigarette. Instead of wasting the chewing gum, I put it behind my ear, and. Forgot about it. Walking, <laughs> got a bus to town. Chewing gum, resting there all day. Walking past Getting the shops. So I was looking at myself in the windows of the shops thinking, I look good today. Like, <laughs> I, felt, I felt confident. I'm, I'm going to go fresh. Get, yeah, I, I've I, never I, noticed this ear spoke. That just looks good, that ear. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I felt great. I was having a really good day. Um, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to treat myself to a haircut. Um, and when I've done it, the chewing gum was still resting there um, behind the ear and uh, the barber said to me big man you got chewing gum around your ear man now at that moment obviously um, I wanted the ground to swallow there's nothing you can say to get yourself out of that situation you can say I don't know how that got there that makes but you then sound how's like, that yeah, that, makes yeah, you sound yeah. Like, that makes you sound like you're homeless you know yeah. you say, or you could say I put that there earlier that makes you sound like you're a a complete enough freak. Yeah. So I went with I don't know how that got there. Um, <laughs> awkwardly had to pull it up, put it in the bin. And you put it, it in just, the bin. You didn't put it back. No, in no, 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 no. <laughs> the flavour had gone by this point. Um, <laughs> it should be on your wrist. It's not lovely. You know, like a minty ear. Um, so I put this awkwardly back in the bin. At this point, everyone in the shop were um, <laughs> aware of the situation. <laughs> Everyone in the shop <laughs> were aware of the situation, and it just made the rest of the air, uh, the trim awkward. And then when I left, I heard the place erupt in laughter, and I've never been back since. My fault. Have you seen the barber since? Yes, I have, and he looks at me with a nod, as if to be like, "I know what you've done." <laughs> on a, on a, I, yeah, probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Don't tell anyone. It's out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one question before we wrap up. Yeah. Obviously, you're involved with with Brantford United. Mm-hmm. You obviously have a huge involvement in the way that your age group is run. But is there anyone at the club that, if they decided not to turn up tomorrow, the club would struggle to function? Is there anyone with that sort of? They do so much work. Yeah. So we've obviously every club has got obviously a chairman and a secretary. Our secretary does um, everything, you know, signing on players. She she knows every single player's name in every single team um, at the club. Like they, they, they work so hard to try and keep all the pitches and everything up to scratch. And the thing is as well with youth football, there's no money in it. You're kind mm. of, you're relying on, on grants and, and things like that. There's no money in it. Do you know what I mean? That, that, people complain about the price of subs going up and things like that, but to, to pay for a pitch to be maintained and if you play at a recreational ground a lot of the time you'll have to pay the, the parish council or whatever um, 
So there's a lot of work and, and money that goes into running a football club and it's it's not easy, but our secretary is is bang on. She's awesome. Do you want to name her? Her name's Jane. Lovely lady. Thank you, Jane. Jane. Yeah. Um, mate, that's, this has been beautiful. Thank you for Thank coming you. on. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a lovely time. Cheers, man. Cheers, Cheers mate. Thanks.